No doubt about five years from now, we will all look back to this season of our lives. For me, it's the 30s, you know, th those years. And uh, we will be really pleased with the story that we've written during this time. We'll be proud of the choices we made, proud of the direction our life took, or maybe the reality is because of poor choices, we'll be ashamed. So it's vitally important that we remember every day as we make big and small choices and decisions that we are casting our future, that we are writing our story, and the decisions we make today, I want you to write this down, determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Our series began by talking about what we should start. Next, the next week, we looked at what we should stop. Start some things, stop some things. We've all been praying at 12.02 every day. Matter of fact, take out your phone right now because we're going to pray about where we should stay this week. If you haven't got your alarm on, take a second to do that. Do not call anyone. Just set your alarm for 12.02 every day, and we're going to continue to covenant to pray with one another. Very specifically today, we're going to talk about how easy it is sometimes to run, how easy it is in the midst of problems to escape, how easy it is to just get out of dodge. Every person in this room has some challenges in your life. Amen? Let's do this again. Because this is kind of where we need to get to so we can get rid of these things. Every person in this room has challenges in your life, right? Thank you. If you're married, if you have children, if you have a job, if you have a preacher, you have challenges in your life. You have obstacles to overcome. And so on a daily basis, we're faced with, with something that kind of is inbred in us that causes us just to want to get away from those problems, just to want to get away from those challenges, just to want to get past, and, and if you have to, just run from those things that are happening in our lives. Maybe you go to work every morning and the only thing you can think about is how I'd like to have a different job. How I'd like not to be here in this place dealing with these people and these issues. I just want something different. Maybe uh, you come home every night and you're thinking, I have made a horrible mistake when you look around and see your family. <laughs> Maybe when you come home, they think they've made a horrible mistake when you come through the door. Maybe there's a goal, a dream, or a vision out there, and, and you've been striving to, to accomplish this. It could be a financial goal or a personal goal, and you're just tired and you want to give up. I don't know what it is. There are lots of things in all of our lives, and, and they're particular to us as individuals, that we just 
are tired of. We're just tired of the conflict. We're tired of the struggle. We're, we're tired of, of, of feeling like a failure. And, and, and the easy way out is to run, to go. So we're faced with a, a challenge, a choice today. Do I stay or do I go now? Kind of sounds like a song, doesn't it? Wish I could sing. I would have belted that out. Do I stay or do I go? And sometimes, sometimes even though it's easier to go, the best decision that you can make is to stay. Simply to stay. I, uh, I've been one of those kind of guys over the years who have gone when I should have stayed from time to time. How about you? I, I think I've shared with you about how that kind of started in my life. I was six and a half, almost seven, and my mother and father determined to send me to church camp. I uh, got a ride to Trap, Kentucky on the church van. Anybody here been to Trap, Kentucky? Wow, it's a great place, isn't it? That's the home of the Boone's Creek Baptist Camp and nothing else. <laughs> My dad let me out there with the other kids, and I loved that place. I rode horses, I swam, I ate good, and I had a great first few hours. And then it struck me that I was in trap. And my mother was in Petersburg at the bank, and that was a long way. And that I might need my mother. I was a mama's boy. Still am. And so here's how I coped with that situation. I began to cry. And for one day and a half, 36 hours, I only quit crying to eat. And eventually, they called my dad to come get me. A couple of years later, they sent me to Cedarmore with similar results. I did spend one night there. They sent me to my grandmother's for a week or so. They needed a, a break, clearly. <laughs> I didn't like it there too much. Cried a good portion of that week. And, you know, I would have liked to have outgrown that but I can remember going away to college for the first time. I liked it for the first day or two, and then I called my dad. Dad, maybe you ought to come get me. My dad said, you remember that time I took you to Trap, Kentucky when you were seven years old and you cried and you cried and you cried, and I had to come get you and bring you home, and it happened two or three mornings. You remember that? You remember how that worked out? Stay. I got married. I called my dad. Dad, would you please come get me? <laughs> you know what he said? You remember that time I took you to Trap, Kentucky, and you didn't like it at first, but if you'd have stayed there. About 15 years ago, I, I moved to Ohio. Didn't really want to go, but felt like that's where I needed to go, and I went and I liked it a whole lot the first day, and that night I called my dad. 
I said, Dad, it's sure lonely up here. Maybe you guys could come see me. I was smart enough then to know he wouldn't come get me. <laughs> you know what he said? You remember that time that when you were seven years old? You see, in all of our lives, there are places, problems, heartaches that we want to run from, right? What I want to tell you this morning is that I believe God rewards those who are steadfast, who deal with the conflict when it's easier to run away, who fight the uphill battle and don't quit, who find a reason to stay. Our foundational verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 talks about writing our story, and it talks about looking to God to find that strength to do whatever it is that will finish or perfect our story. And sometimes it's simply having enough faith to be still, to stay where God has planted you. To trust that He will carry you through whatever it is that you're facing and that running from the problem never works. It's a beautiful story in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is one of only two books in the Bible named after women. And so, ladies, it's of particular interest for you to see this heroine, heroine. I need to hate to say the word heroin, so I mispronounced it. Ruth and her sister-in-law, Orpah. Remember that name, Orpah? You know the story, Oprah Winfrey, was, that was going to be her name. They wanted to give her a Bible name, but her parents misspelled it on her uh, uh, birth certificate, and so she became Oprah instead of Orpah. And wouldn't it have been weird to laugh and cry and see all that happen for 20 years on TV on a show called Orpah? So I'm glad that happened. That's just an aside. Anyway, they're in Palestine with their mother-in-law, Naomi. By some strange set of tragic circumstances, both of their husbands had died as well as their father-in-law in a really short order. And so the mother-in-law, Naomi, sets them down This is kind of the story you'll see resonating through that little book. She sets them down and says, I know that you guys came here to be married and to live out your lives in this land. Now your husbands are dead. There's nothing holding you here. Uh, I want to release you to go back to your home. And Orpah immediately said, I think I'll make that choice. I think I will go home. And, you know, sometimes the, the path of least resistance is the easy way. She left. No shame in that. Ruth, however, she said, no, I'm going to stay. And I want you to understand the magnitude of this decision. It, it wasn't just about living in one place instead of another. As a, a woman in those days in Palestine, if, if you were an unmarried woman, you had no way of earning a living. 
your status was that of a property or slave. If you didn't have a husband, you were basically a nobody. Times have changed, amen? And uh, for Ruth to stay meant that she was willing to become basically a beggar, a homeless person, someone with nothing, no status. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at it with me. It's in, in Ruth chapter 1, and it talks about her decision to stay. And I have read this verse hundreds of times at, a wedding, at weddings. And it's kind of interesting because it's not really about a man and a woman at all. It's Ruth talking to her mother-in-law. But there's a wonderful truth in verse 16. Ruth said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I, what's it say? Will go. Where you lodge, your people shall be. And here's the kicker right here. And your God, my God. Isn't that beautiful? It is a promise to stay. It's a promise to stay. And so here's what Ruth began to do. There was a rich landowner just down the road, a guy by the name of Boaz. If I ever have another kid, I'm going to name him Boaz. I like that name. (laughs) Boaz owned property, had everything at his disposal, and Ruth determined to go out into his fields and to pick up the crumbs, the leftover wheat that his workers missed. She did that for many days, and Boaz took notice of her. The Bible doesn't say this, but here's what I think. He took notice of her because she was hot. (laughs) You read between the lines with me. She's picking up the crumbs, the leftover wheat. Boaz instructed his, his field workers, number one, drop a little extra along the way. That's a great way to court, isn't it? Drop a little extra along the way. And he said this to him. You can read about it. Leave your hands off her. I like that. Leave your hands off her. Because he knew that they would consider her property to do anything they wanted. It wasn't very long before Boaz and Ruth fell in love. And because Ruth made a decision to stay, her life completely changed. And you see, I think there's a moral here. Because here's, here's what I do, because... I'm like you, and I have a selfish bone or two in my body. When I make decisions about going or staying or starting or or stopping, I think, you know, how will this benefit me? If I do this, will God bless me? Ruth stayed, listen to me, because it was the right thing to do. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, would have been alone. And she stayed because she loved her when it would have been much easier to go 
And because Ruth did the right thing, God began to set circumstances uh, in order in her life that she became a very wealthy wife and one of the most beautiful love stories in all the Bible. Maybe you know if you, if you read Matthew chapter 1 and you see the lineage of Jesus that Ruth and Boaz begat, 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 and eventually Jesus. You see, sometimes staying when you'd rather go makes all the difference, and your life can change just as much by staying for the better as it can for running. And sometimes God blesses you extravagantly because you're obedient to Him, because you do the right thing. So I have a question for you, and it's on your out, in your outline. What is it that God wants you to want today in relationship to your story? And I want you to think a little out of the box because it could be a myriad of things when you pause and think, where's God taking me? And in relationship to staying, what does God want me to want? Maybe it's more time with your family. Maybe it's, maybe it's that you surrender something to Him that you ought to give up. Uh, maybe it's a, a new direction in your life. Maybe it's simply deciding, I'm not going to give up. But what does God want you to want? What's He want you to want? Take a minute. Just write something down or write it in your heart. Write it in your cell phone, but decide. What does God want me to want? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe he wants restoration. What's he want me to want? And now, as a result of here's where I want to go or here's where God wants me to go, where does he want me to stay? It's kind of an unusual question, isn't it? Where does he want me to stay? Let me help provoke some thought. I know a lot of folks who uh, are alumni of the church. I bet everybody here has a neighbor or a friend or a coworker who, if you were to quiz them, would say, you know, I used to go to church. I used to be involved. I used to pray, read my Bible. I used to do these things. I used to be close to God. And now I no longer go. And when they tell their story, don't they always couple it with a good excuse? And the number one excuse is always this. I used to go to church, but there are so many hypocrites in that place that I couldn't stand it any longer. You know what I always say when they tell me that? You're exactly right. 
Every single person in our church is a hypocrite. And you'd fit right in. And you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Wait. Whoa, I'm not a hypocrite. The holy ones among you are right now. Whoa, don't call me that. Here's proof. You got up this morning. You know what a hypocrite is, by the way? Someone who pretends to be something they're not. Someone who tries to make themselves look better than they are, right? Amen? That good? A play actor? Shake like this. That's what it is. You got up this morning. You staggered out of bed. If you're my age, people could hear you as you got out of bed. The popping and the cracking. It sounded like you were eating Rice Krispies already. And you wandered into the bathroom, and for some god-awful reason, we put mirrors in the bathroom, right? You took a look at yourself, and not a one of you said, I'm ready for church. (laughs) Did you? Anybody here? Some of you took two hours to cover that mess up. Some of you need to go back. Because we didn't want people to see us like we are when we first wake up. So we hypocritically got looking better. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) You see, we all want to somehow appear to be better, more beautiful, wiser closer to God. We don't admit our doubts and our struggles and our failures. There are a lot of folks who use that foolishly in my mind. Or I hear folks say, you know what, I'm going to leave this church, your church, or that church, and I'm going to find a better one. I'm going to find a perfect one. You know what I say to them? If you find a perfect church, don't join because you'll mess it up. (laughs) And maybe those who would run at the first sign of trouble or conflict, at the first hurt inflicted, need to just stay. You ever get mad at God? Sure you have. You can admit that here. Get mad at God because God doesn't always do what we want Him to do. We think we know more than Him sometimes. We think we have a better plan. And so we say, God, here's this, this part of my life. Now you make this happen now. You send a spouse my way. You give me a better job. You know I need it, God. God, help me to be happier. You know I'm miserable. God, heal me. You know I'm sick. Whatever it is. And when God doesn't do it, there are many, many people who say, if God's not going to fix this for me, then I'm not going to believe in him. If God's not going to cure this, then I'm not going to believe in him. If God's really out there, he wouldn't ever have allowed this to happen. They turn their back on God. 
And isn't it foolish when you're struggling and dealing with obstacles and challenges to discard the only lifeline you may have? But maybe today, instead of staying rooted in the faith and praying and trusting and hoping and believing, you've decided you're done with God. You're walking away. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you've got a wayward child. You know what I've figured out? If you've got three or four, you're going to have one that gives you a little trouble. If not two, or three. My parents had one, and they were white-headed early. And, and, and you know, it, it, sometimes you just want to throw up your hands and say, God, what in the world are you thinking? And you want to turn your back. Maybe it's your marriage. You're at that, do I stay or do I go moment in your life? Is there validity for leaving? Sure. Marriages can stink. It can be tough. It can be a battle. There, there are biblical gr- grounds for divorce. It talks about abuse. talks about adultery. Nobody should be a punching bag. There are other ways to abuse people with your tongue, with hard-heartedness. A lady the other day said, I think I have grounds for divorce. My husband committed adultery. I said, you do. I said, you also have grounds for forgiveness if that's what you choose. And I'm not here to put anybody on a guilt trip. God knows when I talk about divorce that it's a personal matter for me too. If that's happened in your life and it didn't work out, then I pray for you and trust that God has better things. But the reality of the matter is is that some people give up way too easy. Some people give up on each other way, way too easy. Before the story can be told, before hope can be found, before forgiveness can be exercised. My mom and dad, I've heard them say this a million times. We didn't believe in divorce. We thought about murder. (laughs) that was wrong we knew we'd go to jail we prayed for each other to die a time or two but they stayed my dad died a few months short of their 50th wedding anniversary high school sweethearts I've got some video proof that staying matters today. Would you watch this with me? (laughs) Worthy of our admiration. Bible says this in Galatians 9, 6. Let's not grow weary 
while doing good. For in time, in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. My word to you today, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart when your heart's broken. Don't lose heart when the world's tough. Don't lose heart when God seems to be silent. Don't lose heart because in due season you'll reap blessings if you stay. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for those who've been obedient to you. For those who've been steadfast and strong and sure. There have been so many times in all of our lives, maybe even this morning, when we want to run, when we want to go, when we lose heart, when we give up. Give us the courage to stay, to keep the faith, to be in the middle of your will, to stay. In Jesus' name.